This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo. In this edition of the Oncocene Brief, we talk with Dr. Amit Kumar, Chairman, President, Chief Executive Officer of IDIS Corporation and Executive Chairman of Anixa Diagnostics. Dr. Kumar is the inventor of the company's C-Check technology for the early detection of tumor-based cancers and has been an investor, founder, director and CEO of several technology enterprises, both public and private. In today's program, we talk with Dr. Kumar about cancer, the evolution of cancer diagnostics since the signing of the National Cancer Act and the start of the war on cancer in the 1970s, and the development of new technologies designed to detect cancer early, with the clear advantage of being able to treat cancer sooner, which in turn may lead to better results and offer a clear survival advantage. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonia Portillo, and this is The Youngest in Brief. It's not the first time, nor will it be the last time, that we start this program with a reference to the National Cancer Act. Forty-five years ago, in a room filled with congressional members from both sides of the aisle, distinguished guests, and representatives from the press, President Richard M. Nixon signed the National Cancer Act. This event officially launched what has become known as the War Against Cancer. In his remarks that day after signing the National Cancer Act, President Nixon established an infrastructure that has been used to fund and conduct over $100 billion of cancer research, which is responsible for much of the basic knowledge about cancer that we have gained since the early 70s, as well as the progress that we have made in the fight against cancers. But what about the future? What have we learned in the last 45-plus years, and how is our approach in fighting cancer going to change? Is a future where we can completely get rid of cancer possible? Joining us today to discuss the exciting progress scientists are making in developing new diagnostic tests and how this may impact cancer treatment and survival is Dr. Amit Kumar. Dr. Amit Kumar is an expert in cancer diagnostics with over 20 years of experience in cancer research. Welcome to the program, Dr. Kumar, and welcome to all of you, our listeners in the United States and around the world. Dr. Kumar, tell us a bit about yourself and IDIS Corporation and the projects that you're involved with. Yeah, um, uh, I'm a trained scientist. I've been working in the biotech industry for about 25 years. Uh, focused on a number of areas, including cancer. I'm also on the board of directors of the American Cancer Society. And um, our company is developing uh, a couple of different uh, technologies. Um, The most advanced is a technology for early cancer detection that utilizes uh, artificial intelligence and uh, flow cytometry, which is a method to analyze white blood cells in a way that enables us with very good accuracy to identify patients that are tumor-bearing. And it's an exciting, non-invasive method to, we think, uh, identify uh, cancer as early as possible, enabling better treatment outcomes and uh, uh, certainly better outcomes for uh, economically for our healthcare system. In the introduction, we mentioned the importance of the signing of the National Cancer Act. How has uh, this law contributed to a national dialogue when it comes to cancers? And more importantly, how has this uh, impacted our fight against cancer in general? I think uh, the National Cancer Act was a seminal event in the way we address cancer. Um, Previously, uh, cancer was 
not a primary focus of the healthcare system. Uh, people used to get cancer, and they tended to be um, uh, secreted off in a different, you know, in a, in a portion of the hospital. And we really didn't have a lot of therapies for cancer. We didn't really understand the biological mechanisms of uh, how cancer developed, how it could be treated, how it could be diagnosed. Um, but over the last 50 years or so, we've learned a tremendous amount. And the NC National Cancer Act has enabled a tremendous amount of research that has allowed us to uh, gain an understanding of many of the mechanisms that are important for us to be able to treat cancer. That being said, we've only scratched the surface. And uh, we've learned a lot, but uh, and, and, and that knowledge has helped us in addressing cancer from a diagnostic as well as a treatment standpoint, but there's still a lot to be learned. And I think over the next decade or so, there will be tremendous advances in many different areas that are going to change completely the way we think about cancer and the way we think about uh, diagnosing and uh, as well as treating cancer. So um, with the uh, research that goes into uh, cancer um, and hematological disorders, uh, obviously there is a lot of money that's going to be spent or that has been spent. Um, so if you look at the net effect of that, I mean, how does this really co contribute to uh, us being able to stop cancer? Well, a lot of money has gone into basic research and uh, and will continue to go into basic research. What that means is trying to understand how cancers arise, how cancers uh, uh, behave in the body you know, when when the body is being when an individual is being treated, um, and that'll continue. Um, there's also a fair amount of capital that has gone into developing therapeutics, translational research, so to speak, or or uh, research that is designed to address people that have been diagnosed with cancer to try and increase their lifespan uh, as well as save their lives. Um, there's a fair amount of research that is starting that has gone into, but now a primary focus is early cancer detection. And I think that's all very positive. Um, all of the work that has gone, all of the finance, you know, all of the capital that has gone into developing uh, our knowledge, building out that uh, uh, understanding of cancer has been very valuable to uh, patients as well as um, our society as we develop approaches to address cancer. You've argued that our national cancer objective to find a cure for cancer has become our national cancer obsession, diverting resources away from the development of alternative technologies that may be more effective in reducing cancer-related deaths. In essence, you've said that we may have been blinded by our own ambition of curing advanced cancers. First of all, you call the effort to find a cure for cancer an obsession. Can you explain this a bit more? Well, um, it's very common for people to talk about a cure for cancer. But we have to understand that cancer is not a single disease. It's many, many diseases, um, all having the hallmark of of uh, unconstrained cell growth. However, the mechanisms by which these cells grow in different types of cancer are all somewhat different. And so curing cancer 
is not like curing a viral disease or an infectious disease where the underlying biological causes causes the same. In fact, even in certain, you know, in, in individual types of cancer, like breast cancer, there are multiple types and mul- multiple mechanisms. And so we're really looking at hundreds and hundreds of diseases. And so the idea of curing cancer is perhaps um, a difficult or, or not a very good way of evaluating it. And in fact, um, if you look at the history of uh how we've treated cancer and the mortality and morbidity rates uh, for cancer, we find that when cancers are caught early, the the patient tends to do much better and uh, the costs associated with uh, treating that patient are significantly lower than when the patient is caught late. Obviously, if a patient is caught late, we want to do whatever we can to help that patient but I believe, and many others do as well, that the greatest impact to cancer is going to be to identify methodologies that allow us to catch cancer patients as early as possible. How are new technological advances helping us? Well, over the last uh, few years, we've gotten much better at uh, doing various things like uh, understanding and measuring nucleic acids, DNA, uh, successive to uh, the sequencing of the human genome. We've developed much better computational technologies that enable us to analyze very complex sets of data, and uh, the science is, is advancing very rapidly. IDIS, we hope, is one of the companies that's going to be a leader, if not the leader, one of the leaders in this space. We're going to take a short break, after which we'll get back to this conversation. And welcome back. This is the Oncuzine Brief, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Amit Kumar, Chairman, President, and CEO of IDIS Corporation, and Executive Chairman of Anixa Diagnostics Corporation. Now, over the last decades, we've seen the development of a whole series of novel therapeutic uh, agents, targeted therapies, such as antibody drug conjugates or ADCs, chimeric antigen receptor T-cells or CAR-T therapeutics, and a whole bunch more. Um, A few years ago, it was estimated that the private sector has spent more than a trillion dollars in developing cancer therapeutics. And while these novel therapeutics can, in some case, be labeled as breakthrough therapeutics or and may have dramatically increased life expectancy for patients with a particular type of or subtype of cancer, one thing that we're missing is a discussion about diagnostics. And it is not necessarily the diagnostics um, in combination with therapies for personalized medicine, but really early diagnostics. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think uh, I think the advances that we've made in therapeutics have been tremendous, especially over the last few years in uh, you know CAR T technologies, as you noted, ADCs, as you noted, uh, as well as checkpoint inhibitors. Um, these therapies arise out of an understanding of how tumors interact with the immune system and uh, how tumors are able to evade the immune system or suppress the immune system. Uh, enabling them to survive. Um, Many of these techniques 
uh, are focused on modulating immune function, enabling the immune system to battle the cancer. And so these are very, very uh, exciting uh, therapies. And uh, and again, we've just scratched the surface of our, of our understanding of the dynamic interaction between tumors and our own immune systems. Um, and we'll learn more and additional therapies will be developed. However, <clears throat> if you look at... Uh, how uh, cancer uh, treatment has has developed, uh, with a few with few exceptions, um, most of the time, if patients are diagnosed at stage three or stage four, uh, later stage cancer, where the tumor has already spread from the primary site, uh, most therapies simply enable those patients to live a slightly longer life lifespan, extend their lifespan by months to a short number of years. Um, and often that quality of life during that extension is not that great. However, it's well known that if you catch the tumor early, then you can often uh, remove it, resect it, and the patient's five-year survival rate is significantly higher. So basically you catch it early, uh, it's it's great for the patient. It's great for the healthcare system. If you catch it late, it becomes tougher. So we're focused on uh, identifying tumors early. If you, um, you know, <clears throat> we feel that um, uh, the more resources that are spent in developing diagnostics to catch tumors as early as possible, the better outcome for cancer patients. Because as we know, uh, earlier uh, detection of cancer results in a much better uh, uh, health health outcome for the patient and uh, the costs affiliated associated with uh, treating that patient are significantly lower. So we're focused on trying to develop techniques that can identify in an accurate manner cancers as early as possible. On the C-Check website, your company is asking a provoking question, and that is, imagine going to the doctor for a routine visit and getting a blood test to check for early cancer. How close are we in making this a reality? Uh, our goal uh, eventually is that C-Check will become just a routine test that uh, is run when you go to your doctor for your annual physical, just like uh, blood cholesterols are, are tested or thyroid hormones or any of the other types of uh, standard tests that are often run, blood chemistries and so forth. Um, eventually, we think that this technology will enable that, but that's going to take a few years. Uh, initially, we're going to be focused on one type of cancer, and uh, focused on trying to develop a confirmatory test, meaning a test that confirms whether you have a specific type of cancer. Um, uh, and uh, as we go forward, we'll expand into multiple types of cancer and eventually uh, hopefully turn this into a screen, standard screening test that's run every time you go into the doctor's office. We hope to launch uh, a first product sometime in the next uh, 18 to 24 months uh, after we have taken it through FDA approval. How does, how does early diagnosis change the way we may be looking at cancer, maybe even the way we treat cancer? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, early diagnosis allows us to treat the patient before the cancer has spread. And uh, if we can catch the cancer in its localized form, most often it can be removed through uh, minor surgery. Uh, often it can, if, if that's not possible, it can be addressed using uh, therapy as well as uh, chemo or immunotherapy as well as uh, radiotherapy. But the key is, as long as it has not spread, it's much easier to treat it. And, uh, and, and we think that uh, you know, revolutionary changes are going to occur in the way we treat cancer if we have good, solid techniques that allow us to catch the, the cancer as early as possible. You've compared this change to what has happened in the treatment of cardiovascular disease. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think in cardiovascular disease, which uh, uh, still kills a large number of people uh, in the United States and throughout the world, but it has changed dramatically over the last uh, three or four decades. In the old times, uh, we used to think about uh, addressing patients after they had had a myocardial infarction or a heart attack. Um, and so once the patient has had a heart attack, then you try and do what you can to help the patient uh, 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 at that point. Today, we know what causes uh, uh, various types of uh, cardiovascular disease. We know how what kind of behavior changes as well as therapies and various screening techniques allow us to uh, try and uh, postpone or eliminate the risks affiliated with uh, uh, cardiac uh, problems. And so we've changed the way we treat or think about uh, cardiac disease. We try and prevent it. We try and screen for it uh, or screen for the risk of it. And if someone demonstrates high risk, for example, uh, high cholesterol levels, we treat that uh, potential cause to try and eliminate uh, the, uh, the heart attack. And we think that that's going to happen with cancer as well. Today, most, uh, while we have certain screening techniques like mammography and prostate-specific antigen and various other techniques for trying to screen for cancer, um, they're not that good. They're not, you know, we need better techniques to, to do that. And so we think similar to what has happened in cardiac medicine, uh, oncology is going to go in that direction as well. I definitely predict uh, that over the next uh, few years, you know, in the next couple of decades, the way we diagnose cancer, the way we treat cancer uh, and address cancer in general is going to change dramatically. Um, whether we're able to get rid of cancer completely, that would be wonderful, and that's one of the uh, goals for uh, all cancer researchers and certainly one of the goals of the American Cancer Society, which where, where I'm on the board and, uh, and we're, you know, we're the largest nonprofit cancer organization in the world. Um, but uh, but I, I hesitate to make that bold statement. Uh, I will say, though, that uh, there will be dramatic and revolutionary uh, uh, therapies, diagnostics, and uh, we'll be uh, addressing cancer in a very different manner in you know, two decades from now, for example. I'm going to have to interrupt you right there. We're going to take a short break. 
If you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Amit Kumar, the Chairman, President, and CEO of IDIS Corporation and Executive Chairman of Anixa Diagnostics Corporation. Dr. Kumar is also the inventor of the company's C-Check technology for the early detection of tumor-based cancers and has been an investor, founder, director, and CEO of several technology enterprises, both public and private. I'm Sony Portillo here with Peter Hoffland, and we'll be right back with the Oncazine Brief. And welcome back. This is the Oncazine Brief, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Amit Kumar, Chairman, President, and CEO of IDIS Corporation, and Executive Chairman of Anixa Diagnostics Corporation. Now, going back to early cancer detection technologies, there are different technologies in development, and one of these technologies are so-called liquid biopsy, which screen for specific molecules that tumors release into the bloodstream. C-Check is one of, one of the liquid biopsy tools in development. Can you explain what is involved in this process, and can you tell us why it is so difficult to detect cancer early in the blood? Yeah, um, the, the liquid biopsy term refers to a whole series of approaches um, of, uh, uh, by utilizing uh, measurements in blood of various indicators of cancer. Um, liquid biopsy uh, encompasses not only early cancer detection, which is what we are doing at IDIS, but also uh, monitoring patients once they have they have you know they have a known cancer, uh, and and monitoring those patients for therapy. Uh, some patients who have gone into recurrent uh, I'm sorry remission, monitoring those patients for recurrence and so forth. <clears throat> so the concept of liquid biopsy is a non-invasive test, meaning it doesn't require, uh, besides simple blood sample, it doesn't require probing or prodding or, you know, certainly doesn't require a tissue biopsy, which involves cutting into the body and cutting into a tumor to get a tissue sample of the tumor. Um, so C-Check is one of the liquid biopsy tools in development, but C-Check, uh, which we're developing, is a little bit different than many of the other liquid biopsies that people have uh, have, uh, are working on. C-Check focuses on evaluating and monitoring the human immune system to identify whether the patient has a tumor or not. We believe, and literature shows, and our data shows, that the immune system is modulated when a tumor exists in the body. And those changes in the immune system are what we're measuring um, those, you know, uh, in a pattern recognition approach uh, that enables us to identify a patient that has the tumor. Many of the other liquid biopsy technologies focus on measuring either proteins or actual tumor cells that are circulating in the blood or nucleic acids that are shed by the tumor that are circulating in the blood. Uh, however, we feel that the immune system responds to the existence of a tumor much earlier than any of those other signals uh, can, can uh, indicate that there's a tumor. And to answer your second question, which is why is it so hard, um, you know, to use a, a cliche, um, it's kind of like looking for a needle in a haystack. We are trying to identify 
very, very small amounts of biomarkers, whether they're cells or proteins or nucleic acids, that are circulating in the blood that are indicative of a tumor. Now, obviously, when the tumor is larger, the amount of these biomarkers are significantly higher, but we want to get the tumor as quickly as possible, as early as possible, so there's very, very low amounts of these specific molecules or cells in the body and, uh, and, and certainly in the blood. However, blood bathes the whole body, and including every organ system, and so we believe that there's uh, the signal for identifying these tumors is in the blood, and our data shows it, and other people's data shows it as well. The question becomes, you know, which of these uh, techniques is most practical uh, from a cost standpoint and an you know, implementation standpoint, and which of these techniques has the accuracy uh, that's necessary to, uh, to make it commercially viable. And we think ours is, is uh, perhaps the leading technology out there for this. In the case of C-Check, you use flow cytometry for immunopheno, um, immunophenotyping by monitoring white blood cells, focusing on a recently discovered class of cells known as myeloid-derived suppressor cells, or MDSCs. First off, can you tell us a bit about the science of C-Check while explaining what immunophenotyping is, as well as what MDSCs are? Yeah, and, and I don't, I'll try not to get into too much detailed science, but, <clears throat> but uh, taking a step back for a second, um, when, you, uh, when a patient is uh, independent of whether he has cancer or not, when a patient has a bacterial infection, the white blood cells, which are the immune system of the, of the patient, uh, the white blood cell count goes up dramatically. And it goes up dramatically because the immune system recognizes this bacteria and realizes that it needs to uh, eliminate that bacteria from the system. And the mechanism by which it does that is through uh, complex interactions between white blood, multiple white blood cells and, uh, and uh, eventually uh, an increase in the, you know, in the number of certain types of white blood cells. In fact, when... Uh, when uh, a physician is trying to determine if a patient has an infection, the first uh, indication of that is high white blood cell count. However, when a tumor uh, is growing in the body, uh, the white blood cell count doesn't dramatically increase, as in the case of an infection, for a number of reasons, one of which is that the tumor arose out of the patient's own cells, uh, it's a little bit different than the nor patient's normal cells, but, uh, but it is uh, very similar to those cells, and so the immune system doesn't dramatically uh, address that tumor. However, we believe, and the literature shows, that there are slight modifications that occur in the white blood cell counts. And if you, took a, if you take a biopsy sample of the tumor, you find that in that tumor there are lots of different cells, including many white blood cells. And so we know that the immune system is mobilizing to attack the tumor in a slightly different fashion than it does in, uh, in uh, bacterial infections. So uh, what our theory was that we, if we could monitor circulating white blood cells in, uh, in a patient, we could identify patterns that are indicative of the existence of a tumor. 
And we've tried that. And we've demonstrated that by monitoring specifically, uh, we monitor multiple white blood cells, but we focus on a subset of cells called myeloid-derived suppressor cells. These are cells that have been discovered over, and, and studied over the last 10 years. Um, there are, they are a, uh, a type of immature white blood cell that exists at a certain level in all of our systems, and they're circulating um, uh, throughout our blood. So our technique uh, uses a, uh, uh, an instrument called a flow cytometer that measures and counts the specific type of, types of cells we're interested in. And we focus on MDSCs, which are a newly discovered, relatively newly discovered type of, of white blood cell. Um, these MDSCs have been shown to enable tumors to suppress the action of T cells, which are the cells that often, you know, that are uh, the primary soldier, so to speak, that kills tumors. And uh, the number of MDSCs that are circulating in blood tend to increase when uh, a patient has a tumor. And it doesn't matter where that tumor is. Uh, we, what we do is we monitor and count these MDSCs. We monitor the ratios between these MDSCs, and we utilize an artificial intelligence application called a neural network to do that analysis. And basically what what our software does is it looks at patterns that are indicative of cancer, um, and I, you know when when the, the neural network has been trained to do that, we are able to then take na naive patients, new patients' data, feed it into the neural network, and the neural network tells us whether that patient is tumor bearing or not. So it's a combination of a biological measurement followed by a complex analysis of those biological measurements uh, utilizing a computation platform called a neural network that then enables us to make the calls whether a patient is tumor-bearing or not. Okay, let's take a short break here, and then we talk some more. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Amit Kumar, Chairman, President, Chief Executive Officer of ITIS Corporation, and Executive Chairman of Anixa Diagnostics. Dr. Kumar is the inventor of the company's C-Check technology for early detection of tumor-based cancers and has been an investor, founder, director, and CEO of several technology enterprises, both public and private. We'll be right back. I'm Peter Hofland with Sonja Portillo, and this is The Youngers in Brief. And welcome back. Now, to be effective, a cancer screening test must have four key elements, including accuracy, reliability, easy use, and affordability. Looking at current cancer diagnostic and screening tests, how do these tests meet the standards in, for example, a mammography in breast cancer, a, P a PSA test in prostate cancer, low-dose CT in lung cancer, or a colonoscopy? And how does your test meet these standards in comparison? Yeah, so our test is, is in development, and we have demonstrated performance characteristics on all four of these that are better than mammography and PSA and uh, uh, LDCT as well as other, other screening technologies. So our ability to identify cancer patients 
uh, versus uh, healthy donors is it tends to be better. Uh, our cost is relatively modest because we're using a standard technique called flow cytometry with some computation. Uh, it's easy to use for the patient because the patient simply has to uh, provide a blood sample, unlike many other tests where, for example, mammography, you have to uh, uh, compress the breast in between x-ray plates. Uh, colonoscopy requires um, a scope inserted through your rectum and so forth. Um, that being said, these other tests have been around, and they tend to be very good tests if they're uh, uh, used correctly. So mammography, for example, is, has, got, um, has, has demonstrated tremendous uh, improvement in breast cancer detection. PSA is one of those sort of controversial tests where um, um, there's a fair amount of controversy about whether PSA uh, creates uh, overdiagnosis situations where many, many individuals are, um, many, many men have biopsies that are not necessary because PSA scores are high and PSA scores are not very specific to cancer. Uh, but there's really nothing else out there today that uh, can identify prostate cancer, so it's used. Uh, and PSA is a non-invasive test. It's a simple blood test, so it's relatively easy for the patient to comply. <clears throat> Low-dose CT is very expensive, and uh, uh, like mammography, exposes the patient to radiation. Colonoscopy is one of the best tests out there, and, and the reason colonoscopy is so good is because it is not only a screening test, but it's also a therapy uh, because colonoscopy enables the physician to cut out uh, polyps that uh, he or she may find in the patient. So our test um, is, is designed to be non-invasive, simple blood test, inexpensive. Uh, we believe that the cost to run one of our tests is going to be about 40 to $45. Um, and uh, and we in anticipate the accuracy, as demonstrated so far in our studies, is as good as the best tests out there, like colonoscopy, much better than PSA, much better than mammography. That being said, we haven't done the thousands and thousands of patient studies that will eventually enable us to compare our performance with these other technologies. Um, we're at an early stage. We've tested hundreds of patients as opposed to thousands of patients, but the data looks really good so far. Many cancer diagnostic tests, like the, one I, the ones I have mentioned, are made for a specific kind of cancer, but that's not the case for C-check. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, C-check seems to work for all types of cancers, and we've tested uh, 20 different types of cancers, including all of the major ones, uh, breast, prostate, lung, ovarian, pancreatic, uh, liver, uh, colon, colon and, and so forth. Um, and the reason we believe that it'll work for all cancers is because we're not, as noted before, we're not measuring the anything from the cancer itself. We're me measuring the host response or an immune response to the existence of a tumor. So whether the tumor is growing in your breast or whether it's growing in your colon, your immune system is responding to it, and that's what we're measuring. So we think it's going to work for all types of cancers. That being said, when we do 
when we develop the first commercial product, we are going to focus on an individual type of cancer. And at the current time, we're thinking it'll either be breast cancer or prostate cancer. That's where we have the most data, and we feel that there are compelling reasons commercially and medically for uh, those two types of cancer. And so we're on the verge of announcing publicly which of those two types uh, we're going to initially focus on. But yeah, the, the, the technology seems to work for all types of cancers, but initially we will start out with one and then expand. Now, when you look at uh, c um and uh, you alluded to that um, it's being tested in clinical trials, um, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, those trials? Yeah, so so we're 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 not involved in FDA clinical trials yet, uh, but we are running our tests on human patients. Um, we uh, our laboratory is in Philadelphia at the Wistar Institute, which is a national cancer, uh, which is a nationally recognized cancer research uh, center. And we have collaborators in the local area that uh, provide us samples. We ha we're working with the Del you know, with the virtual hospital system. We're working with Delaware Valley Urology, which is the largest, I believe, the largest urology center in the area. We're working with MD Anderson, which has a cancer hospital in the area, the University of Pennsylvania Abramson Cancer Center, and and others as well. And we're you know talking to other potential collaborators. Um, so as far as clinical trials go, our plan is to develop uh, a, a baseline amount of data that then we will uh, go to the FDA with and develop a protocol for performing the FDA-type uh, clinical trials, enabling us to seek FDA approval at some point in the near future. Thank you, Dr. Kumar. The interview you've just heard was Dr. Amit Kumar, Chairman, President and CEO of Idas Corporation and Executive Chairman of Anixa Diagnostics, was originally recorded on March 26, 2018. For us here at the Oncozine Brief, we would like to thank you, our underwriters and our listeners for your ongoing support. Thanks to your support, our program now has a wider reach. Our program can be heard in Arizona on KFNX, one of the top 10 radio stations in Arizona, reaching almost 5 million people throughout the state as well as via iHeartRadio in, in addition to PRX Public Radio Exchange. You can also download our program via iTunes, and later this month, UK Health Radio will also start broadcasting our program in the United Kingdom and mainland Europe. We know that based on this interview, you may have questions, so please submit your questions to our editorial team via email, Facebook, or Twitter. We'll post as many answers as we can on our website, oncozine.com. That is O-N-C-O-Z-I-N-E dot com. Thank you all, and thank you for listening. And join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonia Portillo, and this is The Youngest in Brief. The Oncazine Brief is produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hofland, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by Inpress Media Group. Support for the Oncazine Brief comes from listeners of this station and our commercial underwriters and advertisers. For more information about underwriting and sponsoring options, contact Sean Mayer in California at 949-923-1660 or visit our website at oncazine.com 
forward slash underwriting. The Oncozine Brief contains health and medicine related information and is provided for educational and entertainment purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it. The Oncocene Brief is in part made possible by generous support from Kite Rocket. Kite Rocket, making brands more valuable. For more information about public relation beyond classic PR support, contact Martin Pyrrhic at Kite Rocket in Phoenix at 602-443-0030 or visit their website at kiterocket.com and by Aquatherapy Clinics. Aquatherapy Clinics offering an alternative form of pain management and stress relief for everyone from young athletes to active seniors. For more information about the future in rehabilitation and pain management, from sports injuries, neurological conditions, and musculoskeletal disorders, contact David Grywall at Aqua Therapy Clinics in Gilbert, Arizona at 480-773-7766 or visit aquatherapyclinics.com.